Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Bible Eater Podcast, where we devour the Word of God by examining it, praying it, and learning how we can apply it to our lives. I'm Josh Stanley, and today is Tough Questions. Thanks for joining us today in our Tough Questions series, answering your tough questions about God and the Bible. In this episode, we are answering the question, does our unbelief limit God's ability? You know, I unfortunately hear a lot of professing Christians saying things like, God can't do anything without us, or God can't do anything without our faith. I hear this belief mainly from people within the Word of Faith movement. The main scripture they use typically to to come to these conclusions is found in Mark chapter 6. We'll get to that passage later on because I believe this conclusion really comes from a lack of respect or understanding of of God's sovereignty. A popular pastor among the Word of Faith movement is Andrew Womack, and he says that he believes the sovereignty of God is the worst doctrine in the church today. A popular pastor and speaker, Stephen Furtick, during his message on Mark 6, says that even God can't override your unbelief. A ton of people tune in to this type of teaching or go to a church that teaches these type of things every week. And to be clear, this is not an attack on these guys. You know, as Christians, wherever we are, whoever we are listening to, whatever we are studying, we need to examine what is being taught by the truth of God's Word. Also, I believe faith is, is very important. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. So I'm not arguing against the fact that faith is important. I believe faith is very important in many ways, and God responds to our faith. You know, even a small amount of faith can accomplish great things. Not because faith is a special power we possess, but because of the object of our faith, which is God. So, in the next few minutes, I'm going to argue against the belief that God is limited in ability without our faith. I'm going to start simply with Scripture. Where God's, sovereign, or where God's complete sovereignty is expressed to try and lay out a foundation of truth for the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Job 42, 1 and 2. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. Psalms 115, verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Psalms 135.6 Whatever the Lord pleases, He does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Isaiah 14.24 verse 27 For the Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no one other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times to things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. 
Last one, Romans 9, 15, and 16. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So, then it doesn't, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And we can go on and on and on with more passages like this, but I believe it's clear in Scripture, God is completely sovereign And as Christians, we should take great comfort in the fact that he is. I mean, understanding God's sovereignty allows us to really understand passages like Romans 8.28, when it says, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Who do we think works all things together for our good? I'll give you two guesses, but you probably only need one. Only a sovereign God can work all things together for good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. So now that we have some biblical foundation for the sovereignty of God, let's take a look at Mark 6. And if you want to study this further at home, which I encourage you to do, you can also cross-reference Mark 6 with Matthew 13 and Luke 4. So Mark 6, verse 5 verse 6. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about them, he went about among the villages teaching. So people will read this and teach from this text and conclude that human faith can somehow block the power of God, or the lack of human faith can block the power of God. It's made to believe that almost our trust is so powerful that God is unable to act without it. And this also turns into people having faith in their own faith rather than faith in an almighty God. When reading this passage, we must consider the wider ministry of Jesus. When we do that, we we see Jesus, in fact, does miracles when faith is weak or not evident at all. In Mark 9, 24, Jesus restored the son of a man who cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. In John 11, Martha did not believe that Jesus would raise her brother Lazarus from the dead, but Jesus did it anyway. So what does Mark chapter 6 mean when it says Jesus could do no mighty work there? Well, we also see Jesus using this type of language in Luke 11. Let me read Luke 11 Verse 7 and 8. And he will, he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything. He is his friend. So we see here in this passage, saying could not or cannot, doesn't always refer to a lack of ability, but a lack of willingness. As in Jesus would not do any miracles in Mark 6. You know, we do this all the time in our own lives. For example, if someone asks you to come over for dinner Saturday night, and you say, ah, I can't, you know, I I have a wedding that Saturday. In reality, you had the ability to, but you could not or would not because you had a wedding previously planned. Also, Jesus only did the will of his Father. 
Let's read John 6, 64 and 65. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I have told you that no one could come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. It wasn't the will of the Father for Jesus in Mark 6 to do any miracles in Nazareth at that time. This doesn't mean he didn't have the ability. It means he could not or would not because it wasn't the will of the Father. How do we know it wasn't the will of the Father? Because of the passage passage we just read in John 6, it says that no one can come to him unless it is granted by the Father. The circumstances in Mark 6 in which the Lord shows himself was not there. We know that we also know that the miracles of Jesus during his earthly ministry bore witness of himself as the Son of God. Acts 2.22 declares that Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God by miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles sustained the claims of Jesus to be the Son of God. In Mark 6, Jesus could give no further confirmation of his identity that they would accept. They even say in verse 2, How are such mighty works done by his hands? Nothing Jesus could have done at that time would have made them believe. R.C. Sproul says in his commentary on Mark, the circumstances by which God the Holy Spirit unleashed Christ's power were not available there because there was a judgment of God on the town of Nazareth. In other words, God mostly withheld his power from stiff-necked people who held Jesus in contempt. End quote. So, back to the question. Does our unbelief limit God's ability? Hopefully, from looking at this passage and looking at passages that explain the sovereignty of God, and I would encourage you again to go and dig into this and uh, look for yourself. But to answer the question, does our unbelief limit God's ability? I'm going to say no. And at the end of the day, we trust in a God who is completely sovereign and not limited by us. And to that, I say thank God. We are human. He is God. Let's not get that mixed up. And, but let's rejoice in the fact that he can work even in our unbelief. I'm going to end uh, this podcast with a great quote from Tim Keller. He says that strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to a weak faith in a strong branch. Well, thanks for listening today. If you have specific questions that you would like us to answer, go ahead and shoot me an email at thebibleeater at gmail.com. That's thebibleeater at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you next time.